1: Are we supposed to get married?
0: I'm gonna just swipe left. I just want
1: somebody to share my life
2: with. Your wants are completely negotiable. Your needs
0: are not. You can keep waiting for the fairy tale, or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships. If you read my advice in the LA Times, then you know this ain't your mama's love advice. This is Days and Mates with Damona Hoffman. Hello, lovers. Welcome to another empowering episode of Dates and Mates. We have talked on the show before about the ways that our childhood experiences can shape our relationship habits in adulthood. For good and also not so good. But sometimes we get stuck in the habits and beliefs that were seeded so long ago, and we don't even realize it. But we have to remember that our past doesn't dictate our future, and we can reclaim our power by acting upon that. Like I was saying in my chat with Nora McInerney last week, we're always writing our stories. And as Nora said, and in 10 years, you're going to look at the version of you presently and be like, you had no idea. You had no idea how young you were. And I'll add that you had no idea what was possible for you, what was ahead of you. This present moment may have even seemed like fiction to that 10-year-ago version of yourself. But life is a journey, and we're always learning and growing. So just remember to keep doing those journals, chatting with your therapist, and taking the time to be introspective. That is how I define self-care. And as you come to understand yourself better, you will understand your relationships better, your needs and wants better, and how establishing and keeping to your boundaries will help you design the life that you are destined for. And that is why I have my friend and fellow love coach, Ornel Walters, on the show today. For those who don't know, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and she is going to share her personal story, along with some signs to look out for, and how you can prepare yourself for a happy, healthy partnership, no matter what that story may have been for you in the past. But first, we have the dating news of the day. Our headline is, Unpopular Opinion, Long Distance Relationships May Have the Most Potential. Then, Later in Dear Demona, I will tackle this familiar question. When is the right time to discuss taking down our dating profiles? All right, friends, let's dish. These Dating Dish. The Johns Hopkins newsletter says opposing viewpoints, long-distance relationships have the most potential. Now, we know these folks are smart because they are Johns Hopkins students, <laughs> but also, they in this article, they talk about how long-distance relationships, which really mm, a lot of people have turned their nose up at for a very long time, actually can have some positives to them. So here's what they found out. In a study of 71 college couples, around 80% of the long-distance couples stated that they were likely to marry their partners, while only 62% of the geographically close couples said the same. So what the study concluded was that long-distance couples are overall more in love and more satisfied than couples who live together. But, of course, there's a lot more to the story, which I will unpack for you today. Long distance has its challenges, obviously, and I think the reason that the people in this study were more optimistic about their prospects, remember this is looking at a college sample, is they're in a temporary situation. They're looking towards the future, and in the future, they can paint any picture that they want. And so they paint this fantasy relationship and the idealized version of their long-distance partner. So, yeah, if you're not dealing with the day-to-day challenges of, like, we got rent due, we got to pay the bills, my parents don't like you, and they don't like us living together, who's going to pick up after the dog? The dog just vomited in the middle of the night. I don't know. That's, like, my personal story. Anyways, you understand. There's, like, the, the realities of what a relationship is. And when you are long distance, sometimes you can stay in fantasy land. That said, Long-distance relationships do have certain benefits. And actually, over the course of the pandemic, I have several clients and listeners who have told me that they've been able to move from a long-distance relationship formed out of necessity because even if somebody was across town, they were long-distance when we were all locked down. But now the realities are setting in and the realities are proving that they do want to be together and they are making it work. But here's what I would say. They're making it work because they laid the foundation when they were long distance for a successful relationship to be able to continue. So if you are considering a long distance relationship, let me give you a few tips on how you can set things up so that you're both getting your needs met and you are both on the same path for a relationship that you're building in the future. So first of all, you must do FaceTime or video chats. And you must do it early and often. So if someone has met online and they've never seen their online partner in person, I'm personally very skeptical until they've done a FaceTime. And we've all seen enough episodes of Catfish to know that if somebody is like, Oh, I can't get on FaceTime with you. Oh, no, we were going to video chat, but something came up. If there's excuse after excuse and they're dodging the issue of seeing you face to face, that's really not a good sign because anyone that is looking to build a truthful, honest partnership with you is going to want to see you in person. They're going to want to protect their time and emotional investment by making sure that you're not a catfish. You're the real deal. By the way, I'm going to be having Cammie Crawford from Catfish on the show in a few weeks. Just very excited. Thought I would throw that in. So we'll be talking more about catfishing later, but we're talking about long distance dating right now. Get offline. If you've never met in person or you've never seen them on virtual chat ever, they are not your boyfriend or girlfriend, period. Okay? And then you need a plan. You need to plan an IRL date and soon. Cause you need to see really what you're dealing with when the realities are in your face. So I'd say like if you can do it within the first six to eight weeks. And I think that's pretty generous if we're talking about long distance dating, because think about how many touch points you have and how much effort you have to put forth to keep a connection going for six to eight weeks. Now, what happens when you get to the eight-week mark and that person stands you up, that person is married, that person is just not what you expected, or the realities when you get together just don't work, then, gosh, you're wasting a lot of time. It's no wonder you would be burned out on dating or discouraged about long-distance dating. But when you're together, and actually when you're apart, talk about the future, what would it look like? Like I had a listener who wrote in a while ago about this and I said, play a forward to the future. Is there a world in which you and this person could be in the same city? Could you potentially move to where they are or could they potentially move? Like if you've got kids and, and you can't leave the state and they have a sick parent, what is that relationship look like in the next phase? Play it forward two years, five years, 10 years. What does that really look like? So that you both know what you're building together. And then please, please, please practice slow love. I know I talk about slow love on the show all the time, but practice slow love so that you're really taking the time to invest in the relationship and see what's there before you are like, I'm just going to you know what? I'll just move across country. We've been dating for three months, but I'm just going to go for it. Like that is reckless. (laughs) That is reckless. And maybe some of you, maybe you're in a period of life where like you can stand a little bit of uh, recklessness and a little bit of adventure, but I'm grown and like, I don't have a huge appetite for uprooting my life and like completely changing everything just for the possibility of love. So it's up to you. It's your life. You get to make the rules. But it's amazing what is possible if you do make the investment. And in fact, my client, Natasha, she just did a testimonial for this last round of the Dating Accelerator program because she met someone that she was not expecting to fall in love with. And they were able to nurture and grow their relationship long distance. And she actually believes that the long-distance component was exactly what made it work for them and what made this connection different. Take a listen. I'm
1: Natasha. I live in Los Angeles. I am engaged to a wonderful Canadian who I cannot wait to marry once our immigration all goes through. (laughs) My fiancé, when I first met him, was like no one I'd ever met before. And he's such a such a loving and just such a nice guy that I'm like I just you know at the time I was like not looking for him. long distance uh, you know um, many you know many things that would seem like they're red flags, but were, were just roadblocks, um, but he was somebody I really wanted to get to know better and understand, and some in some ways the long distance relationship made that possible because we had to have a lot more communication. So we really had to take the time to get to know one another. And I got to learn about him almost like behaviorally because of stories that he would tell and share. And he just made me smile. He just brightened my day. I just looked forward to talking to him and hearing more about him. And he was just so smart. And um, I learned so much from him. And he just kept me engaged and excited. And I hadn't felt like that about somebody without like the pheromones or the, you know, oxytocin that's released, you know, through intimacy or any kind of physicality. I had it through words and through learning about him. And it was just,
0: he was just so different that way. So I'm not going to pick a side here on long distance relationships. I think they're a mixed bag. They can be good. They can be challenging, but it's all about what you want and how you set the wheels in motion for the life that you wanna live and make sure that the people that you allow into your life are also building towards the same life and playing by the same rules. Well, there's a little food for thought. When we come back, we will be joined by the wonderful Orna Walters of Love on Purpose. By the way, if you're new to the show and some of what I said earlier resonates for you, maybe you're struggling with dating, I can help you create a profile that will do all of the hard work for you And best of all, for a limited time, it's absolutely free. You can pick up my profile starter kit at datesandmates.com and get your dating profile on track and on your way to quality dates. It's my gift to you just for being a listener of this show. The profile starter kit is waiting for you at datesandmates.com. Now a quick break to tell you about one of my favorite brands, Cozy Earth. Thanks to Cozy Earth I swear, I've never had a better night's sleep in my life because of their comfy sheets. But now they're making the comfiest loungewear in my life. Cozy Earth has developed and crafted high-quality goods with responsibly and sustainably sourced materials from the earth. Cozy Earth's women's loungewear is crafted with the same breathable and luxurious material as their bedding. And it offers optimal comfort while maintaining a flattering, elegant fit. Plus, Cozy Earth has even been featured on Oprah's favorites list Four years in a row. And they have a 10-year warranty on all their products. They have all sorts of clothing to try on. Tank tops, t-shirts, sweatshirts, joggers, even scrunchies. You know I love my scrunchies. And you know I'm all about that work hard, play hard lifestyle. And you know, on the weekends, you find me lounging in my Cozy Earth loungewear. Cozy Earth has an exclusive offer for my listeners today. 35% off site-wide when you use the code Damona. You go to CozyEarth.com and use the code Damona, D-A-M-O-N-A, for 35% off site-wide. Check it out. You can change your life and Mel Robbins will show you how. The Mel Robbins podcast has a simple mission to inspire, motivate, and empower you with the tools and advice you need to create a better life. I listen to the show myself, and that's where I draw so much of my inspiration to then be able to share dating advice with you. Mel has spent the last 10 years helping millions of people with her best selling audiobooks and by speaking on stages across the world, and she'd like to help you. Every episode is packed with deeply relatable topics, tactical advice, hilarious screw ups, and compelling conversations. In fact, this week, My husband was having a challenge at work, and I was like, you know what he needs? He needs a little bit of Mel Robbins. So I sent him one of the latest episodes of the Mel Robbins podcast so that he could hear Mel's step-by-step tips for getting unstuck. Mel brings you behind the scenes and teaches you all of her best secrets as you laugh and learn together. I highly encourage you to listen to the Mel Robbins podcast every Monday and Thursday, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome back. Orta Walters is a domestic violence survivor turned love coach, and she is a featured guest on Bravo's The Millionaire Matchmaker. She uses her experiences to educate people on healthy relationships, openness, and authenticity. She's a dear, dear friend of mine and a fabulous coach with her amazing husband, Matthew. And this time she's back on Dates and Mates solo to share her personal story and her wisdom. Please welcome her back to the show with Big Smooches. It's Orna Walters.
2: I'm so excited to be here, Damona. I think this is my fourth time on the show with you, but it's a little different because I'm without Matthew.
0: Oh, yeah. I we we love Matthew, and you two both celebrated your what 15th anniversary of your first date. Yeah. So I'm celebrating him, but I'm really excited to talk with you today. Uh, you know, it's it's time for a little girl talk, a little a little heart to heart, because. I actually just learned this about you a few years ago. For those who don't know, it's Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And Orna, you you really connect on a personal level. Can you tell everybody a little bit about your story?
2: Absolutely. So as a victim of domestic violence, I share my story because what I see in the world is that when someone treats us badly, when we're in a relationship and someone treats us badly, we take on that other person's behavior and we internalize it as if it's our fault, right? We think, Oh my gosh, I must've done something. And one of the reasons why I think it's so important for me to share my story is because no person should take on the shame of another person's actions. I mean, one in four women, in their lifetime will experience some kind of physical violence, one in seven men from an intimate partner. And what I want people to understand is there's nothing wrong with you. You're not broken. There's no reason for you to internalize the shame because there's no shame in loving someone. Mm. And so I really think it's important that we put the shame where it belongs. I really want people to understand there isn't anything wrong with you because we learn how to receive love in our family of origin. Just like we learned to walk and talk and do everything else. And the thing is, is we're complex as human beings. So for me, it was a direct correlation. There was abuse in my childhood. I grew up in a family with emotional abuse and physical abuse. And I was the youngest of three children. It was chaos. I always was looking for the, the trigger, the spark, the thing. Like there wasn't an alcohol problem. So it wasn't about that. There wasn't a drug problem. So it wasn't about that. I mean, when I was in therapy... My therapist at one point called my dad a rageaholic, and I was too young to realize that was a thing. I thought she coined that phrase in the room to label my dad,
0: wow. right? Yeah, and those family imprints, it's so deeply ingrained that a lot of times you don't even realize how you're operating based on those experiences. And even, you know, I see in my practice as well, as you said a moment ago, beyond the family of origin then every person that you fall in love with begins to weave the story and create the story of your life but you had this experience where the story of your life sort of changed you had dated decent guys that weren't the right guy for you but you were telling me that that changed for you in on new year's eve you said 1994?
2: Yeah, in 1994 yeah 1994 on new year's eve i was living with my boyfriend at the time And he, I thought he was the guy, you know, we've all had those relationships. I mean, here I am, I'm in my late twenties and we'd been living together. The relationship had been about a year and a half or so into the relationship. And on New Year's Eve of 1994, he, he beat me. He tried to kill me and not to mince words, but I'm only alive sitting with you here today because our front door, the front door of our apartment wasn't actually closed. It was ajar, and the neighbor came in and saved my life. And the thing that plagued me after that was how, how did that happen? Like I'd already graduated from college with honors. And I say that to say, I know that I'm smart.
0: And you also put yourself through college, Orna, right? You were working. That's an important detail too, because it, it really speaks to your character of you are, you are a doer. You are someone who makes things happen in the world. I know it's true, though. <laughs> it's true. She's blushing, but it's it's just so true. And so, like, I, I just think it's an important backstory that you are a strong, capable woman and that this can happen to anyone in spite of their character, their circumstances, whatever. It could happen to anyone.
2: It absolutely 100% can happen to anyone. And here's the thing you know, people sometimes ask, well, were there signs? Were there this? And there wasn't really like a crystal clear sign for me. But that night, that was it. I mean, I'm grateful it was the 90s and, you know, I didn't have, you know, a, a phone in, attached to me at all times. Right. I mean, he was leaving me messages after, you know, that would alternate back and forth from, oh, baby, I love you, please come home to you, F and B word, I'm going to, you know. And so picking up my messages from a voicemail box I happen to have and hearing him swing back and forth actually helped me do the number one thing that people have to do to get themselves out of any toxic situation is get out, free yourself and deal with whatever you have to deal with later. But the most important thing is never speak to that person again. You have to cut off all contact with that human being. If you have to get a third party to be a mediator, to get belongings, to deal with whatever, you get a third party person. Because the one thing I know from my own experience is, even say I live in Alaska and I could open my front door and there's tons of snow right outside my door. If he came to my door as a snow salesman and knocked on the door and I opened the door, I would have bought snow from him. I would have bought whatever he's selling. And that's the piece that I think I want people to really understand because for me, I understand why women stay. I particularly didn't stay because it was so exact to my family of origin. When I still remember the moment from all those years ago that he it turned on a dime, you know, and I I watched him change in that moment. I watched him come for me in that moment. And I was, and it was so much like my dad that I knew that I had to get out and I never, ever, 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 ever wanted to, I never needed to speak to that person again for my own safety.
0: Mm. That's really important. And you know, a lot of times the questions that I get on the show are, How do you know? How do you know if it's time to end it? How do you know? when the relationship is headed in the wrong direction? How do you know if a person is going to act on some of this rage that they're carrying? And I, I think it becomes really hard for us to see the forest for the trees when we have that contact, like you were saying, when we're they're constantly texting you and they're checking you on social media. And there's that kinetic exchange that happens when we're we're with someone and we have the history And we start to believe the good stuff, the good stories that they're weaving for us. And we get a little bit blinders on to the bad stuff. And I don't, what do you think that is? Is it the hope that things are going to change? Is it the unwillingness to go back through the dating process and start over fresh? What keeps us stuck?
2: Well, it can be a specific thing for different people, but ultimately it's the abuse cycle. So remember that a lot of people get addicted to the apology because the abuse cycle escalates. So the makeup escalates. So the makeup escalates while the abuse escalates. And so what people have to understand is it never gets better. It's never going to get better. And so the addiction to the abuse cycle is the pattern that has to be broken. It's that apology that sucks you back in. That's why I'm saying no contact. So the number one rule is no contact. Mm-hmm. So how do you know? The thing is, is a relationship, a loving partnership is a give and a take. So your, your wants are completely negotiable. Your needs are not negotiable. And in an abusive relationship or a toxic relationship, only one person's needs are being met and you're being told you have to, if you're, mm. the, if you're the perpetrator, your needs are being met. And if you're on the victim side, your needs are being discounted and not being met. And you're being, you're gaslit and told that you don't need what you really need. And so through the dating process, there is a way to actually cultivate discernment through the dating process. So you educate yourself on you. And once you're really clear, not from a, like a man menu of like, I want him this tall and I want this color hair and I hope he drives this car and he has this much money in the bank, right? Like throw out the man menu because honestly, your heart doesn't care about any of those things. But instead you're looking at what's the dynamic that I want between me and my loving partner, right? And Demona, you and I have talked about this a lot, like between you and Seth and me and Matthew, it's like that the dynamic is so important, not just when things are great, but when things go south right? How does that person treat you when you're upset, right? How does that person respond when you're triggered? How is it? How do you come to a resolution when, you know, you have some conflict? And let's face it, most people are conflict avoided. And I think one of the reasons and the biggest mistake women make where they end up in toxic and bad situations is because we tend to be too accommodating
0: through the dating process. Do you think this is this is specifically for women? Is this a culture thing? Is this just in our DNA?
2: I think it's more for women because just like most women are, you know, we're not, like men have this thing about they, they can be angry, but a lot of times women are kind of like not allowed to have their full range of emotions. They're told not to be angry. You know, a man who's in a powerful position, you know, he's respected, but a woman is a bitch. <laughs> Right. And so I think that it's the way we look at the at how a woman who is a powerful woman who asserts what she needs and wants and goes after it is viewed very differently in our society and viewed with different labels. Right. I mean, through my work, like I've claimed my name Orna means moving light. And one of the reasons that I share this story is because I want to be that beacon of hope and light. To tell every single person that is willing to hear me, I going to shout it from the rooftops and say, look, your past in love doesn't have to shape your future in love. You have the power yeah. to create from a whole new place and select an ideal partner that's going to stand by you and be loving and kind and compassionate, even through those misunderstandings and conflicts and challenges that inevitably arise when you're with somebody year after
0: year, decade after decade. Mm. So let's talk about that. You brought up your 15-year relationship with Matthew, which y'all Orna's a personal friend of mine as as well as being a collaborator and colleague. I have seen the love between her and her husband Matthew and it's truly beautiful and it really it's it's just it warms my heart honestly to see how much you've changed since that moment in 1994 and how you maintained that optimism to be able to move into such a mindful and supportive and loving partnership. So I know there are people listening right now who are like, okay, I'm, maybe they haven't been through exactly what you shared, but they see some of those signs of abuse that they have tolerated, they've endured, they have made it through which is, by the way, a triumph in itself, just to mm-hmm. to be able, it takes a lot of strength and fortitude to even come to that point where you say, "I want out and I don't want to speak to you again. But then how do you trust again? I, I, I see what you've built with Matthew, and I know that it must have taken some steps to get there.
2: I want people to know that I'm not the same person. Like I mean, I am the same person, but I'm not the same person. It's like I'm, I became more of me than of who people expected I should be. Um, And so this discovery that I sort of touched on a little bit earlier about getting to know yourself through the dating process. I mean, look, I didn't date for four years. You know, I just set it aside. I didn't start dating until, I I know it was 1998, and it was like the middle of 98, because I know the first guy ended up like my next boyfriend after that. And it's kind of funny because I lived in Los Angeles and the guy who was my next boyfriend after that experience lived in Hawaii. He lived on the island of Oahu. I met him on vacation and it was like, Oh, that felt safe. Right. He can't even drive over. Like, you
1: know, so I had this nice
2: long distance relationship where he would, you know, I would go there and he would come to LA, but it was, it was, there was a comfort zone that I clearly created, not consciously, but unconsciously. So I think the first step is really looking at healing your heart from a place of not taking on the other person's, the shame of that person's actions to understand that there isn't anything wrong with you. Because the truth is, if you learned how to receive love in your family of origin, the magic and the miracle I'm here to share with everybody today is you can unlearn it. You can unlearn that and learn something to receive love and evaluate an ideal partner based on what's in your true heart's desire than your original programming when you're little because the truth is we all have complexities and what shapes us and who we find attractive and who we don't find attractive but the truth is we're attracted and highlighted to what is familiar to us and this was the thing that really saved me because i i wouldn't let it rest like i was like how did i pick him how did i pick him how 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 is it possible how did I pick this person who could harm me when it's the last thing I wanted? And when I realized I had repeated that, that, the the you know, there I was in the same situation where I, when I was a little girl and he just changed in that moment, transformed in front of me, I knew I had to leave. And then I had to go, okay, if I, if I could learn to do it one way, then I had to learn to do it another way. So there are a lot of steps, but it's healing yourself from the inside out because at the, i got to tell you for years i walked around like there was this black hole inside of me that nobody could fill you know i i'm a i'm a pretty demanding partner you know i'm um i will ask for what i need and there are wants that i want even if i don't need them right and that has to be a give and take but it took me a long time to even admit that i had needs i was so used to deferring to whoever you know mom, dad, boyfriend, right, whoever, that um, that now I understand. It's like on some level, we're all fighting for love on our terms. And most people never sat down and figured out what our terms actually are. So when you know your terms for love, you're willing to fight for your terms. And then you can evaluate a match based on not just the feelings they give you, because feelings are momentary. I mean, you know, Demona, I know you've been angry at even though you love him with every fiber of your being, right? Just like I've been angry at Matthew. Those feelings don't last, right? So picking a a life partner based on a feeling, that's temporary, (laughs) right? And so love grows Mm. deeper over time when you're able to make it through challenges and you know yourself enough to know what your terms are for love. Because what that does for you is, instead of bouncing around like a little cork on the ocean of your love life, you're now like, ooh, I know how to ride these waves because I know what I need. I know who I am. And when you're looking for somebody to treat you with loving kindness and compassion, no matter what the circumstances. And yes, we can be triggered. Yes, it can get heated. Yes, we can say things we don't mean. It's, I'm not saying like a blip like that. I'm saying when somebody insists that you give up your needs, but theirs need to be met,
0: that's where the boundary So what... This is kind of a big question, but what would you say, like, talk to me like I'm in Dating 101. What does a healthy relationship look like? Because I think for a lot of people that haven't been through my program or, you know, your, your Love on Purpose or any of the amazing programs that you and Matthew do, maybe they're like, ah, okay, I don't really know my wants and needs, but I know I don't, like, This. (laughs) this <laughs> what should they be looking for like are there any tangible things like tangible signs that your partner is someone who's going to treat you with respect and kindness like you said
2: well I'm actually gonna do a think I think a, a better service than that I, I want to give everybody listening a specific assignment
0: oh like so we
2: all have these smartphones right and they're smart so let's be smart and use them the smartest way we can Because your body is meant to do more things and carry your brain around from one room to another and have sex, (laughs) and we are so what? Yeah, shocking, right? (laughs) Our body is where we feel our emotions. All of our emotions are body sensations. So the most important thing for you to know in an intimate relationship is how you're feeling, so that then you can express it. So the little tip I want to give everybody listening is take your smartphone. Make like six to seven alarms throughout the day that go off. When the alarm goes off, you know, I mean, you might be in the middle of something. Excuse yourself. You can always go to the restroom. That's like the best thing in the world. You're alone in there, likely, right? Whatever. And all you do is like tap into your body sensation and identify your emotions and start making what Matthew and I call this your mental emotional patterns, because every feeling is actually preceded by a thought. And science has proven, we think the same thoughts. I think it's like nine thoughts all day long, you know, that we say to ourselves, like in our inner dialogue. So when you tap into the feeling state, what are you feeling? What are you feeling all day long, right? How do you feel? Track that for yourself. And if you can find the thought that, that inspires the feeling, so be it. But just doing that yourself, just knowing how you feel, like, be authentic. It's like saying, like when your family says, you just be yourself and you don't actually know what to do. And I find it so fascinating.
0: Who is myself? Yeah, well, myself.
2: <laughs> well yourself is how you're feeling, for one thing. And so, again, mm-hmm. they're temporary. That's why we want to know the pattern, identify the pattern, right? So, when you set these alarms and you start mm-hmm. to know what your pattern is, and you might just discover things about yourself. Because when we connect with another person, what we want is emotional intimacy, right? So how do we do that? Well, you speak how you feel. And ideally that other person speaks how they feel. And now you can have that emotional intimacy. But most of us aren't having, we're not risking in that way. We're, we're feeling whatever emotions are going on inside. And we're not paying attention to are we actually sharing this with the other person? Because we start to get choked up with fear of like, well, if I say it, they might leave. What great information! Because if you're with somebody that doesn't want to hear how you feel or doesn't care how you feel, that's probably
0: not an ideal match for you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for saying that. I feel like I've been saying that on the show, but, but I still, I, I still get questions about it. So I appreciate you affirming <laughs> that, that point of view because it, I mean, that is your experience. Like we only get one life. That's it. This is it. <laughs> Unless, I mean, I, Depending on your belief yes. system, maybe you'll come back. I, but I don't you'll really know. be, you're only but, Demona uh, now, right? <laughs> and I'm only now. I'm only Demona now. right now. And we so often defer and delay our experience of life in the world because we're like, oh, well, I can't focus on that right now. Or like, this is, this is fine for now. And we allow ourselves to stay in that ick feeling because It feels too big to make a change, but I think what you've demonstrated is that it can be so small. Just changing that one thought might change the way you feel. And if you change the way you feel, that will change your actions. And you change your actions, you're going to change your whole experience. Right. Not to get too meta or whatever. You're
2: exactly right. That's why I wanted to give just something that's super tangible and measurable that you could start doing today. And, uh, you know, when you were saying like people get, you know, I call that like when you're sitting at the emotional restaurant, you know what I mean? Like, let's say we all showed up at the emotional restaurant and you're all waiting to see what everybody else is ordering before you place your order. It's so completely inauthentic. Well, how does that person feel? And then you're jockeying, you're positioning, you're going to say what's up with you based on where everybody else is. That's not authentic. How you feel has nothing to do with how all of those other people you're interacting with, they can have their own experience, right? But your experience mm, is yours. And when you're deferring to other people, that's the place where you're actually right for somebody who is manipulative to come along and take advantage of you. Because no, nope, I mean, hello, those people that are abusers and addicts and narcissists and all that, they're looking for that person that's going to be like, is this okay with you? Right? I mean, I used to be that person.
0: Well, that's their pattern, right? That's yeah. their cycle. They're conditioned to look for that and like, lean into that. And that to them feels familiar. It's also that familiarity, right? Of like, you had that prior relationship with your father. And so there was a familiarity in this relationship. But man, you've given us so much food for thought. You guys do this exercise. This is gold. Orna's coaching is the truth, okay? And this is just the beginning. Like, I know you have so much more... Tell me about the seven steps to soul mating.
2: Thank you for asking. So, you know, for us, it's kind of like, well, do you really just want another boyfriend or you want someone to share your life with? Because for us, a soulmate, a beloved life partner, like that's what I wanted. I mean, when I was over 40 and not married, I mean, I remember being set up on a date. This guy I was set up with was like, you've never been married when you're over 40 and you've never been married. And the focus on that was so weird to me. And, and I was like, well, the getting married part, that's easy. But the staying married part, that seems to be the hard part. And I knew if I was to get married, I was only going to do it once. So a soulmate relationship is where both people choose each other, right? If it's like this, that's not going to work. If it's like this, that's not going to work. So it's got to be uh, I choose you and you choose me. And that takes some process through the dating um, you know, process. But if you're looking instead of to date and you're looking to soulmate, this um, little handout that we have for your audience will teach you how to soulmate. And so the first step is really looking at you through the dating process. So I'm going to say it again. It's cultivating discernment through the dating process so that you learn to select an ideal partner. Because the thing about the dating process, and I was the same way, guilty as charged. I wanna rush through it to the commitment, right? It's like, oh my God, like me, like me, like me, choose me, choose me, choose me. Oh, you chose me. Okay. <sighs> right? No, 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 no. If we date with discernment, right? I mean, think about it. You're gonna give your precious heart to another person. I mean, you gotta think of it like a job, man. Aren't you gonna interview and find out like what the benefits are and what the salary is, right? So you've got to do some research on yourself. And just like going to look for a job, you wouldn't accept any job, right? You're looking for something in your career path or something to move you forward or something where there's growth potential or something where you like the people, right? So through the dating process, I think one of the important things is really discovering about yourself first so that it's just as important to know who to deselect as it is to actually then select somebody and have the desire to go exclusive. So slow it all down and it's all laid out there in the seven steps to soulmate.
0: Thank you so much for joining me, Orna. Be sure to follow Orna and her fabulous husband, Matthew Walters. They coach together, they work together, they live together, they love together, and they are amazing together. And you can find them online at... Orna and Matthew. And they have a free guide awaiting you at seven steps to soulmating.com. Seven steps to soulmating, the link will be in the show notes. And if you or someone you know is experiencing domestic violence, please do not hesitate. Call the domestic abuse hotline at 800 799 7233. This will also be in the show notes. In a moment, I will be back to answer the following listener question. Are you my boyfriend? Check yes or check no. Stick around. Am I that obvious, y'all? Can you tell that I absolutely love answering your dating and relationship questions? Okay, it is obvious. Well, now it's out there. So we might as well just go ahead and answer the question. Me. This one was emailed to me from a listener named T. She says, I love your podcast. Thank you for all that you do. You're welcome. I love you, T. My question is, when, in your opinion, is it appropriate to discuss taking your profile down and being sexually exclusive with a partner that you've met online and it's going really, really well? Thank you for the advice. Thank you for writing in. Uh, this is a very relatable question. I'm sure there are some other listeners that are like... Okay, I'm turning up the volume right now. Don't turn up the volume. I speak very loudly anyway. Oh, wow. All right, here's the deal. We are in a really interesting time coming out of COVID because I had to separate during COVID sexual exclusivity, which was also in the category of health exclusivity and someone being in your, your bubble of safety versus someone being appropriate as a long-term match for you. And now those two worlds are colliding again, like they once were, when you don't necessarily have to put someone through the fifth degree to decide if you can even see them, right? Or if you can have sex with them. Now that doesn't mean there aren't questions that you need to be asking before you're sexually exclusive or active, dare I say active with a partner, So let me just give you my rule on that up front. uh, You probably heard me say on Broke Girl Therapy, I am not a fan for my clients of having sex on the first date. You're grown, I'm sex positive, you do what you want to do with your body and your life. But I'm going to teach you the rule and not the exception. And the rule, as I've seen it in my practice, and as I know based on science, is that when you have that sexual, energetic, emotional exchange – First of all, you can't go backwards. You can't be like, oh, let's like set the ground rules of the relationship and slow it down. It doesn't really work like that. So if you are crossing that threshold early, early on, you just have to know what you're giving up and you're giving up the build of anticipation and you're giving up an intimate piece of yourself. So I don't take that decision lightly. And especially this is somebody that you're dating. This is not like An F, buddy, this is somebody that you say you met online and it's going really, really well. Why not suspend that magical period for as long as it makes sense for you? Because you won't get that time back. Once once you're like, okay, we're sexually exclusive. Okay, we've crossed that barrier. Okay, we're exclusive, exclusive. Now you're in the next phase. (laughs) Now you're in the like, Oh crap, like how do we learn to communicate, trust each other, <laughs> build the relationship? It's a different phase. And I feel like our culture pushes us to get to that point. Like we gotta, we gotta DTR like right now, define the relationship. Cause I gotta know where this is going. We we crave that certainty, but what we forget is that we're still in discovery. Like, how do you know that this is your person yet? So you didn't say how long it had been. I'm just guessing based on on contextual clues that maybe it's only been two, three dates, but you're living in future land of like, this is what I want it to be. I promise you when you know, like when you're not thinking about other people and when you want to be committed to this person, like there's not a doubt in your mind that you want to be dating other people right now and you're getting the sense that the other person is really showing up for you in that way, you will know this is the time we have to have this conversation. And there's no timeline for it. It could be after three dates. Could be after, I find for most of my clients, it's somewhere in between six weeks and three months. But What would happen if you just let it be and we let go of the fear of like, if I don't lock this down, what's going to happen? Are they going to meet someone else? Is something going to happen in between our dates and then I'll lose them and just rely on if you keep showing up and you keep bringing them a hundred percent and they keep bringing you a hundred percent and you keep staying curious, what's going to unfold so I know that was a little bit more than you bargained for <laughs> when you asked that question. And it seemed like a simple question, but, you know, I just have a way of making things more complicated, but in a way more simple, right? That we don't have to be in such a rush. And when you are ready to have that conversation, my way of doing it is, I mean, of course, you could just be like, I love you. I'm in love with you. I I want to walk off into the sunset with you, which you can do. You could do if you want, if that's like the right kind of vibe for your relationship. Or you could say, you know, I really have enjoyed getting to know you. I have so much fun with you. I'm going to take down my dating profile because I don't want to be seeing anybody else. How do you feel about that? And then you pause. And the pause is so hard. I know, it's so awkward. Because then you have to wait. For the response. And by the way, the first time I asked my husband this question, I did not get the response that I wanted. He was like, um I gotta think about that. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, we've been totally exclusive for eight weeks. You introduced me to all of your friends at your birthday party. And everybody was like, Oh, Demona. And there were no other girls there that were like that with you. And now you gotta think about it. But it was a new idea for him. <laughs> so You might be planning a new idea or you might meet them at a time where they're like, oh, thank God, I was thinking the same thing. And like now the pressure's off. And I want to say, yes, I want to take down my profile too. But when you're ready to have that conversation, you have to be prepared for the conversation to go either direction. And, you know, you're going to be okay no matter what. You're having a really great time. Things are going really well. Let it continue to go well and let the natural progression unfold. And have fun. Well, I hope you had fun with episode 433 of Dates and Mates. We will be back again next Tuesday. And this is actually my very favorite time of year. Every year, we do a special Halloween episode. And we cover dating horror stories. And this year we will be joined by Rory Uphold. She's the host of the podcast Crimes of the Heart, and she'll be joining me to share her dating horror stories and the lessons that she learned from them, and also to unpack some of the salacious dating horror stories that have been sent in from listeners. Until next week, I wish you happy dating.